Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR 91, and today we are talking about the Houston Texans. We got to do it, guys. When I said 32 teams, I meant it. These next two episodes are going to be wrapping up the AFC South, talking about the Texans today and the Jaguars tomorrow. Before we go into our last division here, um, we also still got to do the Browns. And, you know, kind of relative to this Texans team, um, we got the news just yesterday. Again, recording this Friday, August 19th. Um, we got the news on Deshaun Watson finally. 11-game suspension, which puts his return at Week 13 in Houston. So that's uh, going to be a massive headline. Um, pretty clear to me that the NFL, um, again, trying to protect those ratings. You know, I did an Instagram video um, last week, two weeks ago, when the initial six-game suspension had came out about how they conveniently planned that to get a Lamar Jackson-Deshaun Watson matchup in Week 7. Uh, now it looks like another conveniently planned suspension as we get that uh, Texans versus Watson matchup, which should be interesting come Week 13. But we're uh, we're jumping way too far ahead there. We got to slow things down here. We got to talk about this Texans team, uh, the current state, what they looked like last year, and uh, if they have any shot at trying to be competitive this year. They actually, spoiler alert, come into this season with the worst odds in the NFL to win the Super Bowl and the worst odds in the AFC to win the conference. Um, so outlook by the sports books not great. Roster on paper, honestly not great. This team had the third overall pick in the draft this year. And for good reason, you know, a lot of inconsistency in this franchise, you know, dealing with the whole Deshaun Watson situation over the last two years, really, uh, from the holdout to the legal case to the trade situation and all of it. Um, and with uh, their second uh, new head coach in two seasons here, um, kind of a weird time for the Texans here. And, you know, the project projections and expectations here, not great. This team won four games last year, 4-13. and 13. They finished third in their division, which is pretty impressive for a 4-13 and 13 team to do. But luckily for them, Urban Meyer and the Jags were in the division last year. Uh, 15th overall in the AFC. Again, only worst team in the standings was the Jaguars. Um, no, Jets too, I believe. So, nope, Jets had the fourth pick. What am I talking about here, guys? Sorry about that. Um, anyways, the, uh, yeah, last year, offense, 30th in points per game, 16.2. Uh, 32nd in yards per game, 278.1. If you're not moving the ball for 300 yards per game in the NFL, what are you doing? Uh, defense, 27th in points per game, 26.6. Um, 31st in yards per game, 384.4. Turnover margin, actually surprisingly good. Uh, 12th in the NFL, plus three turnover margin. But, you know, bottom five in every category I just mentioned there, offensively and defensively. Bottom three in most categories. Not a strong team. Um, they did have, you know, rookie uh, quarterback Doug Mills. Excuse me, David Mills. God damn it. Um Davis Mills played uh, somewhat decently considering expectations. You know, he was a third-round pick last year as a rookie coming into a, you know, a rebuilding franchise with not many offensive weapons. And he actually at times, you know, you could make the argument he was the second-best rookie quarterback last year behind Mac Jones after all the hype of those five first-round rookies. So we'll see if uh, Davis Mills can hold on to the job this year. That's a big question mark, or if this uh, Texans team is going to be at the top of the draft again next year and be in the quarterback market. Uh, I mentioned second head coach in two years here. 
Um, Lovey Smith gets another shot at being a head coach here. You guys will remember he took the Bears to a Super Bowl uh, back in the 2000s. Um, he was the head coach of Chicago from 2004 to 2012. Um, he's had a long career in the NFL, uh, was actually a college football coach all the way back uh, starting from 1983. So he's been around the block. Um, he was the Bears head coach from 04 to 2012, Bucks head coach from 2014-2015, went to the University of Illinois. Illinois is their head coach for four years until 2020. And then he was on this Houston staff as the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach last year. And it, kind of weird to me that Lovey would be the D.C. and assistant head coach under David Culley. Um, it was pretty clear David Culley kind of a sacrificial lamb. And I talked about that on my Texans preview last year. Um, but just kind of a weird situation where he actually didn't do that bad of a job last year. And they still decide to fire him while they're still pretty much in the middle of a rebuild. So I don't know, weird shit going on down in Houston. But Lovey Smith is a guy that, you know, I, sure. I mean, give him another shot. I like him personally. I think he's, from a personality standpoint, a leadership standpoint, he's a guy that you can trust in that locker room. It's just, it's an uphill battle here for this coaching staff. Um, Lovey uh, with him has um, offensive coordinator Pep. Hamilton on the staff. Um, he was the passing game coordinator for the Texans last year. So he stays uh, <clears throat> with the um, current, uh, well, with the same team as last year, but new coaching staff. Um, he gets to keep his job here and actually gets bumped up as OC. Pep Hamilton's been around the league, uh, most known for his coaching at Stanford while Andrew Luck was there and then following Andrew Luck to Indianapolis to be the offensive coordinator there. And he's bounced around a couple of other, uh, you know, um, organizations, the Browns, uh, and then went to College Football University of Michigan and the XFL for a little while as well. So don't need to dive too much into that. Um, the, there's no clear-cut defensive coordinator for this team. It's a, it's just a bundle of assistant head coaches, and Lovey Smith has a defensive background, so he'll most likely be in charge of that defense. Uh, let's talk uh, personnel. This team um, won four games last year, got worse this offseason on paper, in my opinion. They lost one of their best defensive players, Justin Reed. He went and signed a decent contract with the Chiefs to be their Tyron Matthew replacement. I talked about him on our Chiefs episode. He was a good player and undervalued, in my opinion. Didn't get much notoriety nationally because he was playing for the Texans. But little brother of Eric Reed, a uh, good player, um, someone I've, I've, I was interested in in the draft process four years ago, and now he gets out of his rookie deal, goes to Kansas City. That's a big loss for them in the secondary, in my opinion. And then other names that have left this uh, offseason – Outside linebacker Jake Martin, safety A.J. Moore, uh, quarterback Tyrod Taylor's now Daniel Jones back up with the Giants. Uh, corner Terrence Marshall, uh, defensive end Demarcus Walker, tight end Jordan Akins, outside linebacker Eric Wilson, defensive tackle Vincent Taylor, and offensive tackle Garen Christian. So not many big names there. We can kind of move past it. I think Justin Reed and a lot of the depth pieces on that defense is really my main takeaways here. Um, Jordan Akins was a starting tight end for this team last year, so he's gone. The current number one tight end on the depth chart, Brevin Jordan, second-year tight end, uh, fifth-round pick in the 2021 draft. 
Um, key additions, not many big names here, really. Kind of a shotgun approach, a lot of names, so let's run through them. Uh, cornerback Steven Nelson got the biggest contract out of all these guys. Kind of a mediocre player, been on the Steelers and Eagles in the past few years. Um, he's starting opposite Derek Stingley Jr. on that defense, and I don't have a whole lot of faith in the defense in general. The defensive line really has no threats for the pass rush. Um, linebacking core is, you know, mediocre, suspect. Um, Christian Kirksey and Kamo Grugier-Hill, most likely going to be the, the main duo there. And the secondary, Steven Nelson, Jonathan Owens, uh, rookie Jalen Petrie, and rookie Derek Stingley. They have two rookies out of their four core guys in that secondary and a couple of blah, you know, middle-of-the-pack kind of names there. So you can see why the projections for this team not great. Let's keep going with the free agency additions. Offensive guard A.J. Can, defensive end Mario Addison. Uh, they brought in a fullback, uh, Andy Janovich. Um, also, uh, defensive end Rasheem Green, uh, running back Dari Agumbawale is currently the fourth running back on the depth chart. Outside linebacker Agbania Okwankro, um, quarterback uh, Kyle Allen, uh, cornerback Fabian Moreau, cornerback MJ Stewart, so just shotgun approach at the corner position. Uh, running back Marlon Matt came over. He's currently RB1 on the depth chart, uh, former um, backup slash committee guy with the Colts. Defensive end Jerry Hughes is, you know, the most notable name on that defensive line, and he's coming to the back end of his career. Um, and then center Scott Quisenberry will round out the additions. Um, they re-signed a few guys. I mentioned Kamu Grugier-Hill, uh, fast linebacker, but not an elite talent. Was a special teams contributor and kind of a... Uh, second-string plug-and-play guy with the Eagles during the 2017-2018 season, but nothing special. <clears throat> Defensive end, excuse me, excuse me, uh, linebacker Neville Hewitt and running back Royce Freeman also got brought back um, and re-signed deals this offseason. So not many big names there, you know, not going to spend a whole lot of time there. This roster in general, pretty underwhelming. I mentioned the defense. I basically just ran through the entire starting defense and – it's really not great. Um, Christian Kirksey, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, really the only like solid guys on that defense, I would say. And um, two of them are rookies. So it's going to take some time if these rookies don't come in and ball out right away. Some growing pains for sure on that back end, I could see. And the offense, I mean, I'll just go through the skill players just so you have an idea before we get to fantasy. But the offense is looking like Davis Mills, Whatever running back wins the job with Marlon Mack starting right now. <clears throat> I'll talk about Damian Pierce in a second. I like him to win the job long term. And then a wide receiver, you know, Brandon Cooks is really the only guy that they have that you're even close to afraid of. It's Nico Collins and Chris Conley and Brevin Jordan as the pass catchers. Their offensive line is ranked 29th in the NFL by Sharp Football. And they have the 28th um, easiest schedule. So the fifth most difficult schedule this year, according to the sources that I've been using, we can break down the schedule. They have a week six by, um, but outside of their, I mean, they have two games versus Jacksonville. We know this every year. And then they have a couple of weaker opponents, um, like the giants and, you know, possibly the commanders, the Dolphins, the Browns, the Eagles, those are kind of like the next worst teams. The Cowboys, like not, you know, not many slouches. So let's just run through it quick. 
Um, Colts, week one, they're eight-point dogs at home. Then they got the Broncos with Russell Wilson. Bears, that's a potential win. Potential win. Um, And then let's keep it up. Chargers, Jags, Raiders, Titans, Eagles, Giants, Commanders, Dolphins, Browns, Cowboys, Chiefs, Titans, Jags, Colts. So the Colts and Titans will both be better in that division. The Jags are kind of a question mark, but they don't, they're not expected to be a powerhouse. They get, uh, I mentioned, Deshaun Watson with the Browns week 13. It'll be his first start hostile environment. That's December 4th, week 13 of the regular season. Um, but the Browns have a clearly better roster as long as they can keep their wits about them and not let the, the hostile environment get to them. I mean, the, we're looking at the Texans being projected and maybe, th- you know, favored in maybe three games this year. Even their game against the Bears is on the road, so they might not even be, fi- they probably won't be a road favorite at all this season. I'm seeing maybe one game against the Jags at home where they're favored. It's going to be tough for this Texans team. Their over-under is five and a half wins. <clears throat> Over, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Sorry about that. I hate when that happens. I'm sure you guys do too. The over for four and a half wins is minus 110. The under is minus 110. And uh, yeah, I'm leaning under with that schedule. You know, I, I, you know, I was trying to lean into being maybe optimistic and not just like aligning with the general consensus to disrespect this Texans team because they showed some fight last year four and 13 but they were in a few games down the stretch the offense showed signs the connection between Davis Mills and Brandon Cooks looked pretty solid at the back end of the season that said I just can't really see it I can't see it for this team this year too much of a rebuild too many liabilities on that defense um to you know the pass catchers are just not good like I mentioned and the offensive line's not good fourth worst in the league so their odds to win the division um, alone are 25 to 1. Their odds to win the conference are 100 to 1. And their odds to win the Super Bowl, worst in the league, at 300 to 1. This team is a minus 3,500 favorite to miss the playoffs. And this team is a 15 to 1 long shot to make the playoffs. I found it interesting as well. We're going to do the Jags tomorrow. But the Jags win total six and a half, while the Texans are at four and a half. And the sports books currently have this Texans team at minus two ten to finish last in the AFC South. That those are pretty steep odds. I didn't expect minus two ten. When I went to look that up, I figured maybe they're favored over the Jags to finish last. But I thought it might be like we're looking at like a minus 120, minus 130 situation. And I was surprised. These sports books are very confident that this Texans team is going to be the worst team in that division. And if you're talking worst team in the AFC South, that's usually good for less than five wins, even in a 17-game season. So I probably won't have a bet on that. I generally like to kind of stay away from those super low and super high win totals. When I publish my final win totals for the year, you guys will see I'm really trying to target that sweet spot of those ambiguous kind of like eight and a half win total lines where it seems like they're just throwing out, you know, will this team go over and under 500? And and there's a lot of, you know, maybe some polarizing teams like the Dolphins or the Vikings this season, maybe coming off bad seasons, but I, I view them maybe higher than public perception. 
what I'm saying is to take a team that's already expected to be shitty to go four and 13 again, like there's just, it's not my favorite thing to do. Winning five games in the NFL is not outside of the realm of possibility for this team. If they get a couple upsets, if they get some injury luck and they can stay healthy, who knows? Maybe Davis Mills takes a step forward and he's just a guy. I mentioned he looked all right last year. You know, and this is kind of a year, again, this Texans team's probably going to have a high draft pick. And if Davis Mills doesn't show enough, unfortunately for him, I mean, we could be looking at kind of like a Gardner Minshew situation here where he played all right in his limited opportunity, but the team just needed, they had a high enough pick to go and draft a replacement and didn't believe in him to really be a foundational franchise guy. And uh, it's looking like that's a potential outcome for Davis Mills. But again, he played pretty well last year. He's a big son of a bitch. He's like 6'6". Um, <clears throat> 2,664 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions in 13 games played. Like, not terrible numbers. 66% completion percentage. Not bad for a third-round pick. I want to say about Davis Mills, I think that... Um, I think that a lot of public perception is clouded around him based on the fact that there was five QBs drafted in the first round, all expected to be better. And then Davis Mills only with a third round draft capital, you know, regardless of the fact that he outplayed them, there's still a lot of people believing more in the potential of a Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach, even Zach Wilson, which boggles my mind um, <clears throat> to take that step forward this year based off potential. And I think if Davis Mills, was a first-round pick last year. I think if he was drafted around the range that Mac Jones was in that top 15 to 20, I think people would be saying, well, this guy looked pretty good for a rookie. Like, the Texans probably have a guy here, you know? Like, Mac Jones really didn't flash that much last year. He just played relatively clean ball for a rookie. Like, rookie QBs, you don't need to come in and set the world on fire. You just got to show that you belong. And he kind of showed, you know, some competence last year. I think if he, he wasn't a third-round pick, if he was a first, it's kind of like it took people years and years to realize that Kirk Cousins, like, belonged on a football field. And it was always, well, RG3 is a first-round pick, Kirk Cousins is a fourth-round pick. It kind of just reminds me a little bit of that. Not to say that Davis Mills has that kind of upside or, or longevity in him. But I just want to get that point across. Um, I can't really advise many of these futures. Like I said, um, you know, they're not favored to do very well this year. We can talk fantasy football. There's really only two guys I'm, or I'm interested in on this team, so this should go pretty quickly as well. This might be our shortest team preview, kind of my goal today. Um, <clears throat> Davis Mills, Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, Damian Pierce, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan. Those are the guys that we'll give like basic metrics on. But again, like I'm, I'm not taking Davis Mills in my fantasy drafts. I'm not interested in any receivers besides Brandon Cooks. And I'm taking Damian Pierce as like a 12th round pick because I think he'll win the job, the rookie running back that was drafted in the fourth round this year. But um, Jesus Christ, it's, it's not looking good. <clears throat> I just realized that I skipped their entire draft breakdown kind of fucked up there sorry about it guys let's go through it real quick before we talk fantasy um i skipped that part of my notes but they actually had a pretty good draft um so long term maybe this texans can build on something i was impressed with what they did Derek stingley jr first uh corner drafted third overall this year out of lsu 
<clears throat> um, a couple years ago, he was considered to be potentially the number one overall pick in this draft. Kind of had a drop off last two years in production at LSU. Um, but this coaching staff fell in love with him. Lovey Smith is a defensive guy, really loves his corners and his defensive backs. And he fell in love with Stingley. He could be a great player, but again, he needs to really be the best player in that secondary for this defense to have any chance. And as a rookie, that's a lot of pressure on a corner to come in and immediately lock down number one receivers. Uh, round one, they had a second pick, uh, 15th overall. They drafted offensive guard Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. Uh, round two, safety Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. This guy I'm hearing great things about. If you go on Texans Twitter, uh, follow any of the beat reporters, the training camp um, reports, or even the clips from their preseason game last week against the Saints. Petrie in that preseason game in limited action had like five tackles, four solo tackles, a tackle for loss from the safety position. He looks really strong playing the run. Um, really strong tackler for a defensive back. So I'm looking at some good stuff from Petrie so far as a rookie. Texans beat writers really seem to, to like this guy. So he'll be a player to watch. Um, again, Stingley and Petrie are going to be the foundational points of that secondary. Um, and it's just a question of how fast do the rookies put it all together here. And then round two wide receiver John Mechie out of Alabama they drafted, and I loved his tape. I was actually really excited about Mechie, and at one point I was higher on this Texans offense with the idea of Brandon Cooks and, and John Mechie being the top two receivers here. Um, I think it would have helped Davis Mills a lot, but Mechie unfortunately diagnosed with leukemia um, about a month or two ago, losing track of time here in August. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, after the draft, got diagnosed with leukemia. He's not playing football this year. Hopefully, he will be all right from a personal health standpoint, and hopefully his football career is not over. You hate to see it um, because, man, the guy was just getting ready to like live out his dream in the NFL, and that's just heartbreaking, and I thought his tape was great. Like He was a player I was very excited to watch this year. Uh, John Mechie out of Alabama, really disappointing that he's not going to be able to play for the Texans this year, or possibly at all, unfortunately. Round three, another player out of Alabama, they got Christian Harris, linebacker, and I was surprised he fell to the third round, kind of similar with how N'Kobe Dean fell in this draft past some other linebackers. Uh, more of a run-stopping linebacker, in my opinion. Um, not so much pass coverage specialist, but um, a player that I thought was worthy of a second-round pick. So we'll see if he can help that defense. He's currently behind Christian Kirksey on the depth chart. And lastly, again, Damian Pierce kind of jumped the gun, almost started talking fantasy before I even brought his name up here. But he was drafted in the fourth round, running back out of Florida. And I expect him to be the starting running back for the Texans by the end of the season. Um, I got to be honest, when I first went to look into Damian Pierce this offseason, I watched a couple of just basic YouTube highlights and I was not really overly impressed. Um, but I'm hearing his name being brought up over and over again over the course of the summer and throughout as we get into fantasy draft season here and mock draft season, like people are really planting their flag on Damian Pierce to be a sleeper at the running back position. And I got to say, I have changed my opinion. I'm in on him at this point as well. Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead don't really do anything special. Daria Gumbawale is just kind of a depth piece. And Damian Pierce has shown some really explosive uh, tendencies uh, on his college tape. And if you go back and look at that uh, preseason tape against the Saints, only five carries, but he went for 49 yards. Guy was averaging 9.8 yards a carry against the Saints this preseason game. And the eyeball test is there. His cuts look good. He looks explosive. He looks like he can finish through defenders physically. 
I think he's easily the best running back on this team, and it shouldn't take him too long to take over that backfield. I think Marlon Mack is the starter week one. But Marlon Mack, I mean, sorry, pal. You're just going to get replaced by another rookie, just like Jonathan Taylor did you dirty in Indy. So that's the draft recap, and it's a nice transition going straight into fantasy because I just gave my overall thoughts for the most part on the backfield and on the receiving core. So the honorable mentions for fantasy, the backup QBs, Kyle Allen, running back Daria Gumbawale, I've said a bunch of times because I like pronouncing his last name, wide receiver Chris Conley, wide receiver Philip Dorsett are the two guys on the depth chart behind Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, and Chris Conley, and then tight end Farrell Brown is the second tight end behind Brevin Jordan. So, okay, let's fly through these guys. Davis Mills being drafted 180 overall, 29 at the QB position. Wasn't drafted at all last year because he wasn't uh, the starting QB coming into the season. Uh, that was Tyrod Taylor. And Tyrod, <coughs> if we can go back for a second, Tyrod. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, Tyrod got me a pretty sweet cover week one last year um, <coughs> against the Jags. Week one Texans was uh, one of my favorite plays last year coming out of the summer. Um, Tyrod, just, just a guy, you know. So Davis Mills had to take over. They had to see what he's got. Um, he's being drafted 29th overall. He finished 29th at quarterback position in 13 games last year, 35th in points per game. He's got the eighth easiest schedule, but he doesn't have a good O-line or good receivers. Uh, I will say the defense could be so bad that they could be throwing a lot in the second half of games. That was kind of the situation last year, and it could look a lot the same. That's part of the reason that I believe in Brandon Cook's value, um, but I'm not in on Davis Mills as a fantasy QB. There's too many other options. There's too many guys that have rushing ability. He finished top six, 15.4% of his starts last year, 21st best top six frequency. Uh, top 12, 30.8% of the time, 22nd ranked. Other than that, busted outside the top 24, 54% of his games. Let's talk running backs. Damian Pierce is my guy. He's the top guy being drafted here, 120 overall. Running back 45 off the board is a guy that could give you top 20 upside this year. I'm all in on the draft pick at very minimal cost. The Texans have the 20th easiest schedule for fantasy running backs. Uh, Marlon Mack being drafted two rounds later, 138 overall, running back 59. He's the starter for this team, but he's just kind of a guy, in my opinion. He played... One game last year, kind of, got injured in the first half of week one last year and, and didn't do anything um, for the Colts. He's never really been a substantial fantasy contributor outside of being a decent waiver wire pickup, I think his rookie or his second year in the NFL. But Jonathan Taylor replaces him and Damian Pierce replaces him this year. Uh, Rex Burkhead is kind of just an annoying guy that's going to get in our way as far as Pierce having some value this year because I think... Um, this team is going to use him on passing downs again in an annoyable fashion. He'll be on the field more often than you want him to be, but he's not a guy I expect to be fantasy relevant. He actually led this team in rushing last year, but that doesn't say much. He only had 427 rushing yards. Um, sexy Rexy over here going 283 in your drafts, 82nd overall at the running back position, finished RB55 last year and RB71 in points per game in 15 games. He gave you one top 12 week. He gave you one RB2 week, and outside of that, um, you know, he finishes an RB3 in a quarter of his games. Um, <clears throat> that was, uh, and then he finished outside of the top 36, 62.5% of the time. You're not interested in Rex. Let's move on. 
Damian Pierce, no consistency rankings. He's a rookie. Just go watch the film and look into the situation, okay? Like Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, not guys that are going to have a stranglehold on this offense. Pierce, just look at the film. He's the most talented guy here. The preseason highlights really are what grabbed my attention. He looked strong against the Saints last week. And then receivers, you're not taking anyone besides Brandon Cooks here. I mentioned Nico Collins and Chris Conley are the two receivers on the depth chart. Um, yeah, just no thanks. Nico Collins, third-round pick in 2021. He's an all-right player. He's 6'4". Um, he's, you know, the bigger maybe compliment to Brandon Cooks' smaller slot guy, but it's just nothing that I'm really that interested in. Uh, Nico Collins not being drafted, really. 207 overall. Wide receiver 80 off the board, 84 off the board last year, finished wide receiver 91 in 14 games played. <clears throat> Only scored 3.6 points per game for fantasy last year and never gave you a game inside the top 24, finished a wide receiver three once on the week and then busted 93% of his games last year. You're just not interested. Maybe pick him up off the waiver wire if he looks to take take a step forward and has a larger target share this year if the passing game looks like high volume because the defense is bad be aware of it brandon cooks is being drafted uh, 63rd overall wide receiver 26 as finishing the wide receiver 20 last year in 16 games uh, last year he was a great value in drafts 97th overall wide receiver 36 again finished wide receiver 20 wide receiver 30 in points per game has middle of the pack 16th schedule for fantasy receivers Last year, he gave you a top 12 week 18.8% of the time, tied for 29th most consistent top 12 finish. Uh, he was a wide receiver two monster, third most frequent wide receiver two finish at 37.5%. So that was able to put him into the top 24, 56.3% of his games, which was the ninth most consistent top 24 receiver. I love Brandon Cooks at his draft cost. If you can get him in the sixth or seventh round, I'm very comfortable with Brandon Cooks as my second receiver. If you want to load up on running backs early, if you have a quarterback or a tight end, you're looking to target early and you want to kind of sit back on receivers maybe take one in the top three rounds as your wide receiver one and then come back with cooks in the sixth or seventh as your wide receiver two you could do far worse and in that range typically cooks is probably going to be your wide receiver three unless you're taking that aggressive qb tight end strategy and if cooks is your wide receiver three he's a weekly flex consideration a high-end flex consideration with high ppr volume and he's going to be a top 20 receiver again. That's just what he does. Uh, Brandon Cooks in eight NFL seasons, six 1,000-yard seasons, five seasons over 78 receptions. And last year for this Texans team, Cooks quietly set a career high in receptions with 90 catches on this bad Texans team with the combination of Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills at quarterback. I mean, Cooks is about as safe as it gets in terms of the, the, the cost that you spend in your drafts at the 63rd overall pick and wide receiver 26 with the ability to give you just super consistent wide receiver two play. So I'm in on Cooks and I'm taking the shot late on Damian Pierce. Outside of that, not touching this stuff. Brevin Jordan being drafted tight end 28 this year, finished tight end 43 last year in eight games played. Tight end 26 in points per game, 20th easiest schedule. He did give you a couple of top six uh, finishes. Um, played only eight games, finished top six, 22%, uh, finished top 12, 33%. 
Um, that was 12th highest consistency in terms of top six and 20th best in terms of top 12. But if you're telling me you're the 20th best fantasy tight end, I don't want you on my team. I'm more comfortable streaming the position and looking for weekly touchdown possibility and opportunity. Uh, Brevin Jordan, not a guy I'm interested in. He was a fifth round pick in 2021. Nothing special there. Um, but a guy to be aware of as like a weekly streamer DFS option, maybe sneaks into the touch into the end zone every now and then for you. That's the Texans guy. We're coming at 32 minutes. Um, yeah, I wanted to keep this one short. I'm trying to keep it moving on Jacksonville tomorrow. There'll probably be a little bit more to talk about with the arrival of Nick, excuse me, Doug Peterson and, uh, Trevor Lawrence going into his second year. We'll see some changes on that coaching staff to talk about. But we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. We're gonna do the Jags tomorrow, and then we're gonna we're gonna do our last five episodes this week. Knock it out and keep moving forward. Uh, we got a lot of preseason football this weekend. You guys know what I'll be doing. Hope you guys can catch some of the games. Thank you for listening and ramble on.